from Commons Church and the Commons Podcast Network. This is Between Sundays, a conversation about finding the sacred in the everyday. I'm your host, Bobby Sockold. You're about to hear a conversation between me and Trina Pipers. Trina is a psychologist with a thriving private practice here in Calgary. One of the things I like about conversations with Trina is the way that she takes an idea and opens it and opens it and opens it even more. She reveals layers and nuance to story, sensations, and spirituality. The theme of today's chat is panic. And this theme is one more reason we decided to push forward the release of the second season of Between Sundays, which is all about ugly feelings. As Trina says early on, we are in a crisis when it comes to life in a time of pandemic. No one knows quite how to live in this COVID moment. And that's okay. As you listen, you'll hear more about Trina's own story, some of the tools she uses to help people in a time of crisis. And I truly hope you'll feel less alone wherever you are in your relationship with panic, anxiety, and the unknown. Of course, this conversation is super relevant in or out of a pandemic. So dive into our chat on wellness, ugly feelings, and the full range of our human experience. There's a lot here for you. Don't miss a minute of it. We make Between Sundays on the traditional territories of the people of the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. The city of Calgary is also home to the Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3. It is a privilege to make a podcast on this land. So let's get into it. Welcome to Between Sundays. Welcome to the conversation. So today on Between Sundays, I'm having a conversation with Trina Pipers. Welcome, Trina. Thank you. Trina attends Commons with her husband, Mark, and she comes from a vocational background in ministry, camp, and church, right? Yeah. You can say that? Yeah. Because we know some mutual people because of your camp time, which mm-hmm. I just I just kind of re-remembered that again yeah. today. And then you found your second career, would we call it? Yeah, like I kind that? of I kind of describe it like that yeah, do you? to people. Okay. Yeah, I okay. sort of say I I completely switched, even though they're okay. they're similar. Yeah, no, but that's a that's a big yeah yeah I could see that it's it's a helping, caring, guiding, mm-hmm. all of that, but still a significant switch. So you found your second career in psychology in the last how many years? It's been about six years. Six. I thought now. I had five in my notes. Yeah. And then I was like, oh yeah. Well, and I might have told okay. you five previously. Oh, so. maybe. Yeah. Okay. And you run a thriving private practice called Wild Path Counseling, mm-hmm. which I went back to your website and even just looking at your website brought me calm. Oh, good. <laughs> it's really nice. <laughs> it's nice. It's just like all the words, the way it's laid out, the pictures of nature. 
So nice. I read through the entire list on your lovely website. And I'm going to say some of those things because again, it kind of brought me calm to just read this whole list. So Mm. you list the work that you do in terms of uh, working with people who struggle with depression, self-esteem, life transitions, emotional regulation, boundaries, perfectionism, family of origin issues, stress, relationship concerns, personal growth, spirituality, guilt and shame, mood swings, body image. And again, Mm -hmm. when I read that whole list, I just thought, I'm so glad people do this work in the world. (laughs) It's really, really important and so good. And a growing passion that you have is somatic work. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Which, how would you define that? Yeah. So somatic very simply is body. That's so it. it, yeah, it's like very easy to think of it as body work. Okay. So that seems weird with psychology, but um, the more and more research that has been done has really found that there's a big connection between the mind and the body. And that when, and especially for trauma, trauma, we often say is stored in the body. You might not always have the memories in your mind of certain things, but that your body will hold some of the stuff more than your mind even will. Right, right, right. So interesting. I'm sure we'll talk more about that yeah. and what that looks like for people. Uh, is there anything you would add to that introduction? I think that's a great introduction. Not that's, bad. That really fits with what, <laughs> what I do. And okay. you yeah, have some those other are the things, things that I'm that, passionate about, for sure. Yeah. You have some other things you love in life as well, uh, besides your work. Like You are a really um, big outdoor enthusiast. Just mm-hmm. yesterday, you cross-country skied. 25 kilometers is that right yeah yeah we went out and decided to go skiing and yeah we we needed to see some nature in the Mm -hmm. midst of everything so um yeah we we hike and bike and ski and and that's part of my own personal self-care too Mm -hmm. and that's kind of why the name wild path came up too was a little bit of that connection to um my own journey through what nature is for me and how it's also healing. And so some of my clients might come and we might actually talk about some of those things that could be part of their healing as far as nature being involved in how they might be getting better um, and connecting in a different way with themselves outside. Wild path. Is that used anywhere else? Or did you just make that up? I made it up. It is so hard to come up with a name for a business. That was probably the hardest part of any of it. (laughs) It took me days. I had lists and then I would check with people and go through names and they'd be like, no, don't do this because of this. And you know, it's kind of like naming a baby almost. I've heard I haven't had a baby, but I've heard it's (laughs) like that. So it was very similar that I went through a lot of different names and sat with this one for a while before I became okay. What came first, like the path or the wild part? Um, I think I saw wild really? connected to something else. Okay. And that resonated with me because I feel like our life is mm. a bit like it can connect on so many levels. That word, it can be our, our life is all over the place. It can be chaotic. Um, but it can also be a word of freedom, um, that it can connect to too. So yeah. I think it can have a few different connections for it's, each person. Yeah. It's really fun as you're talking about it. I'm thinking about the, like, we had these paths on the farm between my house growing up in Saskatchewan and my grandmother's house. Mm. And there were three paths. Like, there's, like, the short one, the kind of long, long one, and then the, like, on the road yeah. path. But the one that I liked the most was the shortest one because it was, like, a really established path. Mm. But it always had this... uh 
like circle of trees and bush around you. So you mm. felt like sort of in a little bit of forest yeah. while the path was always very trusted and established. So it's kind of neat to think about those, uh, they're not intention, but something really established and something kind of wild and unruly. Absolutely. Is, that feels really true about like mental health and care and yeah. uh, wellness. Well, and I have so to like connect that. that with my clients, um, talking about neural pathways in their brain ah. and how we can form new neural pathways and the paths that are grown over with weeds might need to be run over a few times right. before we actually start to get it. It's kind of like you would know from Saskatchewan yeah. when you're going over a gravel road and you get the ruts yeah. in the road or things like that, oh, that yeah. we slowly, our brains can learn those things over time and form that new neural pathway. Right. So good. I just didn't even think we'd talk about the <laughs> name of your, that's so great. The name of your private practice. I love that. Let's spend a little more time in our introduction of you getting to know you in light of the conversation we're having today. So why don't you map out your journey into psychology for Mm -hmm. us? Yeah. Originally I had wanted to be a pastor. Yeah. And so I came out of high school and pursued schooling and decided to fully transfer into that. Um, and yeah, was really good with being in that role, doing, doing pastoral work. Um, but a lot of it was so unknown. Where did it start for you? Like that, like, Ooh, this, like, do you have an image of like, Oh, I wanted to, this is when that vocation became a part of my own sort of dream. Yeah. I was really lucky to be part of a church that, um, employed both a male and a female on Ah. the pastoral team. And so then I had that modeled for me, um, as far as a female being in leadership and that, um, she also really encouraged youth to preach, um, and be part of, uh, creating the worship experience that she would really put into people. And so because of that experience, um, I actually had the opportunity to preach sermons before I even became a pastor and do things like that, that I, never even thought that I would do. So is this in a city that's or a started. small town where So this was a small town. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Small town Alberta, which yeah. you wouldn't normally think, but right. yeah, it was in um the Lutheran denomination. So they've been ordaining women for um quite a while now. I think six, since the sixties, I think. Um so it's been quite a long time. And so it didn't seem abnormal to me and it wasn't abnormal until I got a bit more in the evangelical world. And then people were like, Oh, you're becoming a pastor. And it became a big deal. And I was like, well, I just thought this was just my vocation. Right. Not a big deal. Yeah. Right. So it, um, yeah, became that way a little bit. And I definitely had to navigate where I would be employed, um, depending on, uh, the acceptance of, right of me in that type of role. So it was an interesting thing to kind of go from, oh, this isn't a big deal. I'm going to do this as a job to, uh, oh, this is a big deal to some people. Right. (laughs) Maybe not to me. You you didn't start with restriction, but then like the the narrowing and the restrictions of what was possible sort of imposed on you. Yeah, for sure. And so then I ended up in a church where um, I had a lot more leadership responsibility right away than I had necessarily wanted um, just because of pastoral turnover and um, taking over the congregation um, a couple times because of the turnover. So I, I think I was thrown into so much right away and I was like, oh my gosh, this is 
intense yeah as far as what I was doing right and uh and there were just a few different things that lined up as far as um, I was in that for a couple years and then um had an opportunity to move into camp ministry uh it was church to camp that's when yeah yeah so then that just kind of fell in my lap at a time when I needed something just different to try out and see what it was like so then I was in camp ministry for a few years um before moving back to Calgary and and then transitioning into more of social work type work that led me into more of the psychology world. Okay. Yeah. So what was that like when you were like, no, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to do this. Yeah, that was scary. Um, yeah. I, yeah, very scary. It was one of those things that I was doing it later in life. Yeah. Um, and later in life is not that late, but later as far as I didn't do it back to back with my schooling. Right. Um, so it was a little bit weird school. Like, did you have to, you could, yeah. So I got lucky that I was able to come in the back door kind of, um, because the education that I got. So then I, um, decided, yeah, I might as well just do this and found a job, um, working with Canadian mental health that was able to sort of balance out doing some work at the same time as going to school. Okay. Um, but yeah, making that decision was a big deal because it was kind of, oh, I should just know what I'm doing and do it. I came from that philosophy of you should just be in a career and then stay in that career and that's what you're doing. Huh. Um, and I was more, I was raised by that baby boomer generation and now millennials, which I'm sort of partially in the millennial category, but I'm yeah not a millennial in that way. I was like, oh, I should, I should just do one career. I can't change. Uh, and then it ended up changing anyways. Yeah. And then once you made the switch, were you like, yeah, this feels right? Or did it take some time to even settle into yeah. a new thing? It took a, a little direction? bit. I think the one thing that I loved was learning um, and not being 18. Oh, Learning was yeah. so different. Yeah. Can you name some of those differences? Yeah. I think uh, everything just felt so much richer okay. as far as what I was taking in. It wasn't just about moving. There wasn't a moving out of my house, finding new friends, uh, like all these things yeah. that were transitions in life at the same time as I was doing my schooling. Like taking a part of your brain when you should be learning. For sure. Like, I think that is part of it. Yeah. Part How of it was the I balance. <laughs> For sure. Okay. To have that balance was probably very different at the time. Right. I think I still loved some of the things that I was learning, but going back was almost like, oh, because of all the different jobs that I'd done and all the different experiences I'd had, it had really informed my decision then of where I went with my direction as far as my career, because pastoring really developed that part of me that decided I actually love one-on-one with people and really supporting people. And that's more where my gifting lies. And I didn't like some of the things that the church was doing as far as just like pastors program and do these things. And it, yeah. And it obviously depends on which church you're in, Totally. but, um, that was just something that really shifted for me as far as, no, I really actually would prefer to work with people and Hmm. that that's what I seem to be good at. Did you think when you started your training, like, oh, I want to run my own business? Like, uh, I want to be my no. own boss? <laughs> no, that came later. No, that, yeah, that was yeah. not right away. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, you were yeah. set out for private practice. Yeah, I did want to do, like, it was in the back of my mind as okay. far as maybe I would do it. Um, but all of a sudden, getting back into nonprofit work, when I first came out of my master's, I 
um, liked part of it, but then also I was like, oh, this maybe isn't a fit Mm. anymore for what I'm wanting and what I want to do. And just the freedom, um, when you're given funding, you aren't always given freedom with funding. Oh yes. Which is this interesting, yeah, thing to balance. So then all of a sudden I just had this moment where I was like, oh, I'm going to start a private practice and had talked to a few people about it as well and ended up, um, my job was very flexible at the time, which was really lovely that they let me cut down and start it. Oh, so you could gradually. Yeah. So it was great that they were supportive of it. Didn't take long though, did it for it to really? No, all of a sudden I realized, oh, this is maybe growing a bit and I could cut back on my other job. And I actually ended up quitting sooner than I thought I would oh, wow. working part-time in well both done Trina yeah yeah it <laughs> was it was exciting there was yeah. part of me that was really scared again yeah. like a scary thing to just go out right. on my own and right and not know how that was going to work um but at the same time it was worth the risk in the end it it felt very stressful there was a lot of things going on all at the same time um and I can reflect on that moment and go right that was very yeah. <laughs> very stressful but um at the same time, as I slowly transitioned in, I realized, oh, this is actually what I want to do. Mm. And so this funny, fits hey, that with we me. sometimes can't get to that sort of sense of knowing until we're there. Absolutely. Like you, you couldn't look at it from a distance and be like, yeah, I'll feel good about this when I, when I, you, you had to get there and be like, oh yeah, this feels like the shirt I was waiting to wear. Like, yeah, it has a really good yeah. fit. Exactly. Sometimes yeah. we have to try them on first. Yeah. It's kind of going with that metaphor. You sometimes yeah. have to try a few on. Yeah. And that's what I've realized. And even I was working um, counseling university students last year and it was really talking to them and saying like, you don't have to feel stuck in this yeah. because I could see from that perspective too now that I was like, I don't have to just make a career and that's my only choice yeah. in a career that right. you can actually choose something different, even if it's right. years right. down yeah. the road. Right. Yeah. Seems important to think about that mm-hmm. in the days that we're in. Was there something that you really loved in terms of like a part of the field of psychology while you were studying? Like, was there something you were like, oh yeah, this thing is my favorite thing to learn about? Yeah. Trauma was always kind yeah. of a thing that was there that I was really interested in. Um, but it wasn't until I did my practicum with, it just was very serendipitous that I, um, ended up in Lethbridge okay. actually for my practicum. Um, cause you could just apply all over and see what you get. And it worked out that I was with this person that was an incredible fit for me. Oh. She was this gift that she had had a Christian background and, um, there were just some history pieces that connected um, with me. And then she early on had said to me, I shouldn't maybe be putting this on you, but she's like, I have the idea that you're going to be working with trauma. Huh. And she's like, I don't know if I should be saying that to you right now, but she's like, right. I can see it. <laughs> kind of went already. against her own like <laughs> yeah. probably values on how to guide someone. For sure. Yeah. Oh, that's really. So what did that do for you when she said that? Yeah, I kind of felt okay this is resonating with something that's already felt somewhat true for me but then it became more clear as that went on and because she's such an expert in the field as well of trauma work um and really works in a lot of the similar way to how I work and a lot of the stuff that she did is stuff that I now use in my practice and so because I had this mentor that was so um 
connected with me personally and just really invested in me as as a person mm. and a future counselor. Mm. I really felt supported and directed and guided in the right direction and that she um, really uplifted that part of me. Mm. So let's back up a little bit and get and like what is what is trauma yeah like it, maybe it's a word we hear that it about maybe for some people like I don't really think about it so what is what do you mean when you say trauma can we give some definition to mm-hmm. that? yeah so trauma is quite broad okay. and that's the problem oh the problem okay. <laughs> the problem with how we fully define mm-hmm. it right I think they've had trouble even in um, like the DSM would be the diagnostic manual that a psychologist or um, psychiatrist uses for diagnosing, um, to give official diagnoses. Um, and that's something that they've really wrestled with mm. is like, how do we define this properly? So at this point in time, it's mostly PTSD okay. that we hear about, right. but okay. that would be something that would be connected to trauma at this point. Right. Um, post-traumatic however, stress yeah, yeah. post-traumatic, post-traumatic stress. And so that would be something that would be more defined as far as something that we can fit into more of a box. Um, but trauma for me, to put it simply, is there can be small T traumas and big T traumas. Ooh, this sounds really helpful, Trina. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's talk about that. Yeah, so this makes much more sense in my brain too. So it probably makes more sense to most people's brain. That big T traumas would be something like, um, it would be something that would stick with us for sure, for a longer term. So it might be um, abuse would be one that would be right there. It could be a car accident, um, that if that's significant to us, um, it could be a major grief in our life. Um, so it, and it really depends on the person. It's an individual thing, depending Uh, on whether or not it ends up being a small thing or a big thing. Something small to me, um, might be something big to somebody else. And so it can be different for different people, but there is a little bit of definition around it. A small T trauma we've all experienced. Every single person, maybe we haven't all experienced big T trauma. That might not be something that's there for each of us. But small T we've all experienced. It can be a loss of a grandparent is a very simple one that can be there, right? That that's something that most people experience over the course of their life at some point. And so those small T traumas are ones that might impact us, but wouldn't be as long-term. We're a bit more able to get through it as far as the resilience that we have. Um, We have the support around us. And then um, it's those things that we, we find they might affect our nervous system in the immediate Hmm. part, but it might not long-term. Right. Yeah. Uh, So long-term would be more, our nervous system might be a bit more wired for it on a day-to-day basis. Okay. So the moment that we're in right now with being like inundated with world news and mm-hmm. numbers about sickness and deaths and mm-hmm. being like on the climb of that, for some people, this could be a big T trauma time, maybe if especially they lost lose a job or yep. uh, there's like a break in a relationship. Or I don't know. Like, how would you take this? big T, small T Mm -hmm. trauma and place it in this moment. Yeah. Even this time could be a big T. Like it feels like we're sort of swimming in it Mm -hmm. a little, like, Mm -hmm. you know, even just noticing my own sort of sensations in my body. Yeah. I was like, Oh, like I'm a little, I feel something. I'm swimming in something right now, even though I'm really quite fine. You know, like I have a job and we have a pretty simple life that, you know, if something shifts for either of our work, we're not like yeah. stuck without something. So it's it's interesting to think about and have some maybe awareness. Mm-hmm. 
Well, this is a time of crisis. Crisis. For everyone. This is a crisis. That's a really helpful word, Trina. I think that is something that we're not fully embracing. It's like, we need to know this is a crisis. It's okay to say that. Yeah. It's okay to say that this is not normal, that no one knows how to do this, that everyone is feeling grief. Yes. That no matter who you are or what's happened to you, it doesn't matter what losses are there, but there's been grief that has occurred because we've had some form of loss. We've had some form of loss of normalcy of our daily life that we're not used to and that it happened quite suddenly. Yes. And that's part of it, that it can be sometimes helpful if we've had time to prepare and know what's coming. Um, but this was just sort of, uh, okay on a Friday while we were still going to go back to school on the Monday for the kids. Right. Yeah. And And then then all of a sudden it was, no, you're not going to school tomorrow. Parents were scrambling all of a sudden they were not working. That was the week that my husband and I didn't go to work anymore too. So we were quickly transitioning. I was transitioning my practice online. So it's all this quick change that we're not quite prepared for. So it is a disaster type thing too, huh. right? It's it's a it's like the flood. Yeah. Um there's now been long-term impact right. and trauma that's still happening for certain mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. um as a result of the flood. That's mm. a perfect example of something that happened. Right. Um that that impacts us in a way that we don't always recognize. Right. It's interesting too to think about when we were talking about trauma big T, small T trauma earlier, I was thinking about individual experiences. I wasn't thinking about, oh, like larger community in crisis, world in crisis mm-hmm. experience. That's It's interesting to stretch it out Yeah, in that way too. And it really depends, again, where we're mm-hmm. at on the spectrum of right. the supports that we have and the things that are in place of how this trauma plays out for each of us yeah. um, and what we need and the supports that we have in place during this time and that there's no right or wrong in that either, that some of us will just be more impacted by it for certain reasons, Right. that there's different things in my life that aren't the same as yours too. Right. Right. So it's, it's different things and different ways that I'm wired versus how you're wired. Right. It's not just what happens. It's, it's the way that, that we're made that yeah. impact us too. So how can we, in this, you know, really unfamiliar situation, this crisis that we're in, be more mindful of like feelings and emotions. Mm-hmm. How do we pause or notice some yeah. of those things? Yeah, I think, um, is this a good time? Should I talk about window tolerance? Oh yeah, right I later. But that, I like that you were like, well, I'm I was, ready to go well, there. I was kind of thinking about that. That's a way that I can tie the two together. Great. Actually, Let's that might it. be good if I that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, being aware of the present moment is something that I tie together with mindfulness. Um, and being more mindful is just how do we actually be here? Because usually anxiety is tied to our past or our future that we're thinking of the things that have happened and mulling them over, or we're anticipating something that's to come. Right. And so something that can be very healing can be if we're a bit more grounded in the present moment. Hmm. Yeah. And she's so interesting because like, we have this also this real like I don't know instinct to numb ourselves mm. in the present moment, which you know distraction, all kinds of distraction. It's yeah. interesting to think about that. Like numbing yourself is not the antidote to ugly feelings. Yeah, like, actually, presence 
and and awareness or like you said mindfulness yeah of the moment is the way yeah one, it depends on how we're wired okay. and what we've experienced previously of how much we can handle that. Okay, okay. Two is another good way to look at it. Okay. Because sometimes we can sit in and be in stuff yeah. longer. Okay. That that there's more capacity that we have and more ability to sit in that. And then for some of us, it feels too uncomfortable. And then this is where um, I talk about a window of tolerance with a lot of clients that I work with because I think it's a great picture of how... Um, our anxiety works, how our trauma works, things like that. Um, So a window of tolerance is if you look at two parallel lines that are on top of each other, and then you've got um, in between that is your window. So in between those two parallel lines, you've got this window. And so when we're functioning well, um, we might have some anxiety that pushes us to do things that's good in our lives. We we can be mindful in it and mm-hmm. still be okay. What's an example of good? Yeah, so anxiety. good would be um, I'm feeling calm might be part of good. Okay. I'm feeling um, like I can go to work, I can function, I can do my job, I can be present with my kids. And um, I might have some like anxiety that's not bad in that and just to like get me out the door. Yes. And get me turning on like my computer to get some work done. Totally. That's good. Yeah. And processing new information. Right. That would maybe another thing or making decisions that it doesn't feel too hard. It feels like I'm able to do these things and, and do them well right now. So that can be part of, um, being in our window. It can also be, um, some more awareness about our body too, that I can be a little bit more aware. Like you said, you're like, Oh, I could feel that heartbeat quicken and things that are coming up for you. Having that awareness is okay because it's saying I'm, I'm able to be aware, but it's, what do I do with that now? And does that, um, now does that keep me in my window? Am I able to stay within those, those two lines and not that they're strict lines, but just that, um, that there can be room to move. Sometimes it might become a little bit bigger, a little bit smaller. And depending on trauma or experiences that we've had, our window might be bigger or smaller too. But it's when we might shoot out the top of the window. Oh, um, good phrase. Or shoot, shoot out the bottom. Out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so you can go either way. Okay. And so this is when we might not feel as able to be present in the moment uh-huh. and might not be able to feel as present in our body. Um, so when we are going out the top, yeah. we'll maybe start with that one because um, many people might be feeling that right now. Um, and again, no right or wrong to either one of these. It's all our own experience. Um, out the top is more hyper arousal. Okay. So that's all of a sudden I'm feeling more of a fight or flight. Okay. My emotional part of my brain is taking over a bit more Hmm. and causing me to not be able to think as rational. Oh man, I've been there. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) All those rational thoughts are like, where did they go? How is this not connected anymore? Because it's taking over and just kind of hijacking our our brain and our ability to function with those things that we kind of know, oh right, A, B, C, this is what I do. It's saying, no, this might not be happening. So we might become tense, stuck in our worry thoughts. Um, this would be that anxiety, feeling overwhelmed, feeling like there's too much going on. Is defensiveness in there? Defensiveness could be yeah. part of it. Yeah. That irritability yeah. that there might be more emotionality, right? Like right. that defensiveness might come out on yeah. our partner or another totally. person in our life that all of a sudden it's, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm being defensive towards you yes. because of what's going on inside of me. Um, 
So it just feels like it's a lot. Um, it can be maybe butterflies in your stomach, maybe that fast heart rate that you said, um, that it's all of a sudden our nervous system is feeling like it needs something to calm down. I picked all kinds of fights last week. <laughs> Did you? I was picking fights with everybody, Trina. <laughs> I was like fighting strangers in emails. I was fighting people on Slack at work. <laughs> I was definitely like so feeling your emotions that. were exactly. taking over. Like Bobby, you are <laughs> sit it down. <laughs> well, and just yeah. knowing that that is normal, that You're that right. can be something that you can go, okay, yeah. right. I'm now aware that I was yeah. doing that. It didn't take me too long and to be like, yeah, pull this back. is what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's. Um, say those words for me again. That's like shooting out the top. That's yeah. Hy- you say hyper hyper arousal. Okay. So it's feeling like there's so much going on. My nervous system is on high alert. Yes. It's that fight flight okay. so that then, is happening. So then if, if you're going you're tanking. out the bottom okay. of your window, mm-hmm. um, and this might be what some people are experiencing now too, right? Again, no right or wrong. Um, and knowing that this is hypo arousal, there's more immobility involved uh, in this one. So it's more of our freeze that comes into play in this. Um, you might have low energy. You might be feeling more numb, um, feeling disconnected, shut down, mm-hmm. that it's hard to just move in this one that there might feel like there's so much energy that needs to move with the other one. Yeah. And this one might feel a little bit like, Oh my goodness, how do I get out of bed? Or how do I make myself do things that I'm not as ready to do? Take a shower every day when I'm just staying at home anyway. Right. (laughs) That's a hard one. It's hard to keep our regular practice. Today I was like, wash your hair, Bobby, wash your hair. I I got ready just for this because I was like, I am going out. I, I am in a space where where I am actually seeing another person today. Wash your hair. <laughs> okay, so that's shooting out the bottom of your window of yeah. tolerance. So the hypoarousal, the freeze, okay. the immobility, the okay. the part where I might just feel shut down. And yeah. so both of these are completely normal during yeah, this time. Yeah, I really time. appreciate you. And you might experience that. both of them. Yes, too, is the other exactly. thing. Like it might not just be one or the other. No, you I might think have I different can say, days. Yeah, I definitely had both sides of that. Yeah, for sure. When you had mentioned the numbing. Yeah. And so sometimes distraction isn't bad. Yeah. I, right? After I said I think, it, I thought I think I wish I wouldn't have said it well, like that. But, but good and bad though. Yes. I think is I think you bring up a really valid point that I wanted to come back to with okay. that because I talk to a lot of my clients with grief yeah. as far as when we are experiencing grief. Yeah. Um, we we want some distractions sometimes yeah. because we can't just sit in exactly. the grief the whole time. Yeah. Like it's really good to sit in it and feel it some days and just allow ourselves to be present in it. Right. But then also sometimes to go get into a pass. That. Yeah. 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 That it can okay. be, I can cry. I can journal. I can not leave my bed today. I like to actually feel the grief, to talk it out with somebody, to whatever that is for your grief process. Right. Yeah. But then also distraction can be a thing that I can say, okay, I am just been sitting in this. I've been immersed in the news yeah. and yes. grieving for these people yeah. in Italy that are dying. And like That was me. Right? I just couldn't stop crying about it for two days. Yeah. Like it is, <laughs> yeah. it's devastating yeah. to read these things. And when we're so immersed in it, it can feel very overwhelming and can really affect our nervous systems too. So saying, okay, I might actually need this distraction to go and do something different. I took a walk and listened to like the first Harry Potter book. Oh, one perfect. Day. I was just like, get as 
far away <laughs> from the things that you're thinking about yeah. as possible. So that's yeah. true. I even like, yeah, employed a little. Well, and that's numbing. my big thing that I would say to clients, to mm-hmm. anyone to listening to myself, mm-hmm. I'm saying my nervous system needs some feeding. And that I love that you said I went for a walk and I listened to Harry Potter. So that's two things that you did that you're immersed in nature. So there's yeah. the visual, there's right. the smells, oh, yeah. there's the, the sensation just there's, of like yep, your feeling. body moving across the earth. Yeah. yeah. That it can be something that feels so simple, but it can actually be really good. Mm-hmm. Or even taking a shower, right? To yeah. even feel the hot water on our yeah. body can be something that can just allow our nervous system to feel oh yeah something yeah. different right or listening to if I'm really in hypo arousal so I'm really disconnected and feeling low energy I can listen to loud music put something fun on and say okay I'm going to work to give my nervous system something to give it a little bit of height versus the other part of it the hyper arousal where I need to bring my nervous system down and calm it a little bit that might be more the heat or the um, um, the being present is part of both, right? So it's, I'm going to be present in the listening to the loud music Mm -hmm. or lots of people might not like this, but a cold shower, right. Can also shock our nervous system a little bit just to be like, Oh, I'm just giving you a little jolt just to be like, Oh, I feel cold. And we can turn it right back to hot, but we can just be like, Oh, I'm just shocking you awake just a little bit. I'm alive. I'm alive. Yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling good. Okay. And that mindfulness piece and that I think is so important in both of these, because we start to become more aware of our body, ourselves, that we're present, that we're here, um, that it can be mindfulness, it can be meditation, whatever word fits for you. They're both very similar in in what they do and what they are. It can be prayer. Um, it can be journaling. Yeah, I even find like reading fiction to be really important part of sort of regulating myself because it mm. changes my breathing. Mm. I notice like, oh, there. I'm just, I'm breathing a little more deeply and, you know, my eyes are moving across the page and then my imagination is like involved in the drama of something else. Right. Which I find to be really So your nervous system calms. Yes. In that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that you find that it just lets that come down a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, panic in particular, yeah, uh, and how it fits with other feelings. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, we might use the words kind of interchangeably, panic and anxiety, but maybe you could talk a little bit more about panic slash anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it panic can be one that can be interesting because... Yeah. Like if we go to a panic attack, yeah. kind of more the extreme form, right? Um, it's often been mistaken for a heart attack. Wow, it okay. is that intense. Okay, that there's been lots of people that have gone to the emergency room thinking that they're actually having a heart attack. So, the, so physiologically, the sensation it is, is huge. Wow. sensation. It feels very overwhelming. Like you said, your heart was beating. Yeah. When we're having a a major panic attack, it can feel like our heart is beating out of our chest and that we, it cuts off our breathing. It feels very restricted. Um, that panic and anxiety just cause that it is almost, um, most often a restricted feeling because we're feeling that, Oh, I'm not breathing as deeply. My heart is beating faster, that there's such a, that connection with our body and our mind and our mind is going to that danger zone. It's using that alarm center mm. in our mind of that fight flight 
that all of a sudden the alarm center is going, I am taking over. Mm-hmm. And like I said, that hijacking thing, right? right. I think then our um, rational part of our brain that's on the front part of our brain, yeah. it is just like, see ya, checking out. Uh, You're, you've got control now. Yeah. Take over when it's like, no, I need you. Come back. Right. <laughs> Give me right. some help. So panic I find is different in, in that it causes such an increase in nervous system oh, okay. function okay. and in the effects on our physiology and how our bodies react that it's that much more heightened um and the panic might be different than like sadness yes. um where you might be more in that hypo arousal might be connected sometimes more with sadness not all the time but sometimes um then you might be more in that state um where you're just like oh yeah i'm sitting in the sadness or the grief um and feeling that feeling and that you can almost notice it that it's probably somewhere maybe different in your body maybe not yeah maybe it's a different spot that you would feel right that sadness yeah you mentioned uh panic kind of associated with like your chest and your heart mm-hmm. um are there other sort of parts of our bodies that we can be aware of in those moments I, I was thinking about like you know extreme panic attacks or like mm-hmm. um, anxiety disorders yeah but then I was even just thinking about there's like one dog in our building that I really don't like mm-hmm. um I don't think I'm a fan of the dog owner either yeah <laughs> uh, but when when that dog is like in the stairwell I can f- right away like I feel sort of sweaty <laughs> like, yes there's a moment of like I need to defend myself I don't really trust the dog or the person. (laughs) Um, But I was kind of noticing it in the last week, thinking about this conversation, like, oh, is that something like panic? Yeah, there, that for sure. That's sweaty. Yeah. That sometimes our hands can go numb. Oh, numb. Um, okay. That there can be a numbness to it. Um, that it can feel like I need to flee. That flight part of it is I need to get out of here. Um, I'm the same way with certain dogs where I'm like, I don't know you. And that's a perfect example of like, I get a little bit more on high high alert when I'm passing a dog on the street and I'm like, okay, I don't know you as your owner responsible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it can just make us a little bit more aware. Yeah. But when it's getting to the point where it's like, oh, I might actually be scared of you or worried about this or changing more to that extreme panic, then it can be causing even more to go on in our body. And it, and it could be in our stomach too, right? Like I think it's good for each person mm-hmm. to kind of identify where those emotions are in our body. And that's part of the somatic work that I do yeah. is really helping somebody notice where we might be feeling it. Because I might say, yeah, my panic is breathing and stuff. That mm. is very common. Mm-hmm. But it, it might be, oh my gosh, I just feel sick to oh, my stomach. Yes. Okay. That could be something that's there. Oh, or the butterflies yeah. that are just like, I need to get out of here. Right. I remember when I was a kid and I had to go to the dentist or like things like that actually gave me butterflies. Totally. So that would be more where mine's at when I was a kid. Whereas now I'd say it's transitioned and is more in my chest. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I hadn't thought about some experiences as a child in this theme of panic. But when you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, I think I was just a panic little kid in that moment. That makes a lot of sense. What are some of the uh, sort of emotional neighbors of panic and anxiety mm-hmm. what are some of the things alongside of yeah that, so that feeling it can be many things yeah. right again different for each person potentially um but often it is associated with the fear, fear. um that usually we're afraid of 
something right now. There's a lot of fear going on as far as fear of losing my job, fear of, um, is this virus going to hit my family? Um, that, that fear can create a sense of panic because I'm not sure what's coming next. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lack of control right now. So I would say fear, um, and worry and, and scared can yeah. all kind of go hand in That's hand. That's really helpful. Um, that can tie to anxiety or panic. Mm-hmm. Um, that those thoughts that are racing through our head that just keep going, mm-hmm. that it can make it hard for us to sleep. Right. And they can just feel too much. Yeah. What are some of the opposites? Mm-hmm. You know, if we're not, you know, feeling those things, what are what's the reverse? What are some of the... I think sometimes it's helpful to understand something by exploring its opposite. Mm-hmm. So what are, if we're not panicked? Yeah. So calm, calm peace. Yeah. Um, I like those words. I okay. think they uh, can resonate with us in these times that we just need to find some of that yeah. calm and peace yeah. um, in the midst of all of this to, to separate from it, everything that's going on. Um, that... Um, some joy yeah. might be part of it too, right. that we just need to let loose and have a dance party in our right. living room maybe, right? And that joy can bring something different. Again, might not be complete opposite, but can be different yeah. um, in order to bring a little bit of that distraction, right? Right. That, that thing that feels a little bit different as far as I'm not just sitting in this, I'm feeling something different. Yeah. I watched uh, Jimmy Fallon with uh, Tina Fey and he's doing mm-hmm. all of his yes. show from home, which is brilliant and so interesting yeah. and lovely, but just watching them like laugh. Uh, it wasn't even about what stories they were telling, but you mm-hmm. could tell these two people have a lot of history. They're used to making each other laugh. Their families make each other laugh. You know, that, that, that sense, I was like, this is what I needed. I walked away around mm-hmm. all day thinking about Jimmy Fallon and Tina Fey, just like laughing yeah. <laughs> in a conversation together. So I think, there's something about like joy and humor and, and knowing that our world is not just the pandemic. Yes. Right. There's other things going on and yes, it's a big part of what's going on right now. Like it is all encompassing, unfortunately, but knowing that there can be this little bit of, this is something that feels a little bit more normal. Right. Maybe it's not normal to have Jimmy sitting in his living room right. and Tina Fey in her living room. But, but quite you know, frankly, it, I'm enjoying it's it. It's so lovely. Though. Yeah, it makes them a little bit yes. more human almost. This is that it kind of brings them down. I keep thinking about this. As walls are going up, they're also coming down in a really profound yeah. way. Like I did Zoom calls in my kitchen this week. And yeah. Them, I mean, some people see my kitchen on Instagram or whatever. Well, but uh, and it's same thing. just my we're clients, kind of in each other's My homes. clients are seeing my space now and yeah. I'm seeing them. And something very intimate about it and sort of uh, something kind of soothing in this moment. Yeah. And I think that's what we need, too, is that Mm -hmm. we need people that aren't just like putting up walls Mm -hmm. and pretending it's like, no, all of us are struggling. Yeah. All of us are not okay. Yeah. And it's okay to let that guard down. Yeah. It's a safe and trusted place. It's a metaphor. There's a metaphor about walls in this moment, I think. Yeah. What? I mean, there's some benefits to panic, obviously. Like there's some evolutionary benefit to like we're alive because we know how to respond to panic. So (laughs) is there anything else you'd want to say about that? I mean, you are so good at saying this isn't a good or a bad thing it mm-hmm. just is a thing yeah uh, but I was thinking like 
like, thank God for panic. Yeah. <laughs> thank God for, like, we, none of us would be here if our ancestors didn't know yeah. and develop a sense of, like, oh, there's a line I need to run and, yeah. you know, save my loved ones. Or Yeah. yeah. No, it's very true. Um, I do a lot of work around that kind of stuff with clients, too, where we might externalize an idea like that. So, in other words, we kind of get it out of their head a little bit more and and give it something that might be easier to understand rather than it just being a, right, this is panic. This is what it feels like. It might be, okay, yeah. What, what role has panic served me? That might be, um, something that could be, it's actually helped me. Right. Right. Like you said, it's helped us survive through history. Right. Um, but it could also be something that is sending me messages that I might be in a dangerous situation and that I might need to make a change in my life and have something different. Or it might be saying, right, I've, I've done something for too long and I need to do something else or I need to ask for support. Um, that that could be a message too, that it, it can be so many different things to us rather than it just being, yeah, I think I really like that you brought that up. That doesn't have to just be a negative thing and hasn't just served us poorly. Right. It can be something that is actually serving us in a way that, um, can bring change. Yeah. I've been reading Ezra Klein's book about Mm. politics. It's called Why Are We Polarized? But he had this line, and I wanted to ask you about it. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you're not Ezra Klein, so you can't exactly tell me, (laughs) you know, what he means. But I was like, well, I'm going to ask Trina about this. So he said, I'm an anxious person, and that's become over time. Wait, I'm not reading this well. Here it is. I'm an anxious person, and that's become over time part of how I understand myself, not just something I feel. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's really interesting, like an interesting frame mm-hmm. of being able to speak about a part of like his sort of disposition in the world. Yeah. Like what, can you help me understand that more? That makes Again. more sense to me personally, Yeah, actually, because I would be an Enneagram six. Oh, are you? So I like, people don't know this about me because they're like, you're so calm. You're like, I actually have like crazy anxiety. So surprise, surprise. I hold it together all the time. So I read something (laughs) about this. There was a, I read a quote about a psychiatrist saying he finds working with people with anxiety so interesting because on the outside, they often appear like they have Mm -hmm. it all together. So that's wild. Yeah. So I understand this quote on a different level because I would say, yeah, like it's, the anxiety piece isn't always bad, right? Like I, yeah. I've learned to live with a lot of it and I still struggle every day with how do I do this well mm. in a way that I'm managing things um, for myself and dealing with it. And I love that um, when I became was training to become a counselor. Um, we actually had to do our own therapy. Oh, um, like receive therapy. Yeah, yeah. like 24 sessions. And not okay. just like you're learning how to do therapy. It was, no, you're you're doing your own like therapy. Dive to in. Deal with your stuff. <laughs> Thank God for that. Right? <laughs> I'm like, don't trust a therapist that so doesn't we... have supervision or <laughs> right. other support, right? Like, it, yeah, it's, it's a big deal, I think, to yeah. be able to 
say, okay, I can sit with somebody and be present and be, um, the word that I would use, um, that also fits with mindfulness is grounded that in order for me to be grounded and be okay with all the other things that are swirling inside of me is that I have to have the wisdom of others in my life and the support of others. So I would say like, as far as Ezra's quote, um, it's one of those things that, yeah, we are sometimes living, with these things that um, we've learned to live with, that we've learned to adapt to, that we know aren't always bad. Like I'm that crazy prepared person that is thinking ahead and planning. And um, which when you said I'm an Enneagram six for anyone who isn't really like stooped in Enneagram language, what does that give us like a quick? Yeah. So six is I am very loyal. Yes. So that's one of the really great strengths. Like Enneagram shows a bit of our shadow side, which Mm -hmm. again, isn't a bad thing. It's just a part of us. Mm -hmm. And that's maybe a good way to address this too. This quote is to say, this is a piece of me. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that you're loyal, um, but that you have quite high anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, you will be a planner. Okay. Um, you will plan ahead because you're always like aware of like, you're like ready for things down the road. I'm the one that's like, I always have my first aid kit in my backpack on no matter what adventure we go on. I'm like, you never know. I know people that have broken their arms in the backcountry, right? Like there's things that happen. And you are the person. So I'm the person that's like thinking through all of that and going, what if, what if, what if, mm. then I'm like, okay, I'll just have all this stuff and then it'll feel okay. And that actually helps my anxiety okay. if I can kind of plan and see it through. And again, Enneagram is like any other kind of test thing that we do that it's not a perfect fit, mm-hmm. but it it is somewhat true to how I manage those things. Hmm. Does it become like, does some of that preparation sometimes become obsessive? Like, does it move into it can. like, Ooh, that now I can see I'm like going over and over and over these mm-hmm. plans in a way that like, Oh, I'm really. Yeah. And sometimes my worry goes to the extreme too, Yeah, that it can be, that's where it doesn't serve me as well. Mm. If it's, I'm so worried about these things that then it holds me back. And so the growth that I've had in my own living in my anxiety is really pushing myself out of my comfort zone in order to try new things um, and do stuff that I might not normally do. I'm the one that's going slower down the hills because I'm like, I've had previous accidents on these cross-country ski hills. I don't want to go too fast, right? Like I'm that person that's a little bit like, okay, don't want that to happen again. Whereas somebody else might be like, whatever, not a big deal. Whereas I'm like, okay, but I am managing myself then and I feel okay with that. I'm like, I don't care. I'm still out here doing this and that's fine. And every once in a while I'll take bigger risks. Okay. But so did you know, you mentioned like 24 sessions that you had to do before you went into it? Did you know, like, this is going to come up for me or did it surprise you? Um, I knew already to an extent that that was there. Um, and that that was something that I had to deal with personally and, and that I'll continue to, like, it's not like I just go to therapy. I think that's something that people sometimes think, oh, I'll go that's to therapy really and be point. fixed. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's not point. why you go to therapy, unfortunately. Yeah. It's so that you become more aware yeah. of yourself. Right. And because I have this awareness, I can now address this in a better way. And sometimes that might be annoying to people around me because I have these things that are my little quirks. Yeah. But because I'm aware, I can talk to... What's a Trina quirk? Well, just like the fact that I might be more worried about these things, then I'm talking about them so much, right? Like then I'm like, oh, but what if this happens? And and do we do this? And like, I'm thinking of my husband, of course, and things that I talk through with him sometimes. Um, 
and that he's not the same as me and that's great that's good yeah. we don't want that what's um, mark's enneagram i actually don't know because we yeah so we we want to it's something that is we're we're yeah. going to do together yeah. that's something that i um want to do is go through i have one of the enneagram books that okay. i want to go through so i actually don't know interesting um, i can take a guess i find that too with people that i'm close to i find it really hard sometimes to figure out their enneagram it's like sometimes yeah well yeah. and different people guessed mine first oh, okay. too and some were close and okay. some were right and huh yeah it's funny because you can't always yeah guess right what it is no but yeah but i think there helpful. can be can it be is. Very yeah there can be those things that yeah. you can learn about yourself right mm-hmm. oh thanks for telling us about that Trina. yeah i had no idea that ezra klein would right be her be... buddy in that yeah. <laughs> absolutely um, i'm like i feel the same way how do we well we've talked about i kind of am curious about the ways that panic and anxiety can seem a little bit contagious mm. like in sort of groups uh or leadership or even families mm. like if you kind of live around a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. some of that becomes a part of you too I just was wondering if you could give some expression to it seems to me, correct me if I'm wrong, but like you don't necessarily always experience anxiety. It's not just a bordered thing. Mm-hmm. Like I think about it on Sundays sometimes if I'm like doing a bunch of things and there's a lot of people around and I keep reminding myself like, don't lead from that place, Bobby, because mm. it's sort of, sp- I don't want to spark. Right. And I think I know my own energy is like, I like can get a little bit big uh, yeah. on a Sunday. And I think like ground it, ground it. Like yeah. don't, don't make some anxiety about getting all this stuff done. Other people's experience of their day. Right. But I just wondered if you could speak to some of the contagion of anxiety yeah. if that's a, is, is that a thing uh yeah 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 for sure <laughs> we're we're all experiencing it right now we are aren't we that's kind of why i brought it's, it up too yeah yeah i think it's very present um because of like this of course is full on in the media right now yeah. and is everything we're hearing about and they're doing like all these channels are changing to 24-hour news and it's it can be quite overwhelming yeah. um so yeah part of it is we Like, I think a friend of mine who works for AHS had said, like, you know, my advice is, like, be prepared right now, but really try to hold down the panic. Like, this isn't something worth, like, absolutely freaking out about. And that she's like, just really try to know that, um, like, I'm warning you from from this perspective, but also just to say that um, it doesn't have to be a oh my goodness, the world is ending, yeah. right? Like that's a very extreme yeah. version of it. Right. So how we experience this in ourselves is, um, it's so true that it is contagious. Yeah. Um, it's contagious in our nervous system. We yeah. can pick it up with somebody else's nervous system. Yeah. If we see that. Okay. Um, that can be something that it can Like if you're anxious, in. I should be anxious too. Like what, what yeah. are we afraid of? <laughs> How can I feel it? But what yeah. are we afraid yeah. of? <laughs> and even, even you can see somebody's foot yes. moving, right? If it's like really shaking and yes. you can see that um yeah. you can see you sort of anxiety living in somebody else's body and mm-hmm. sometimes without even knowing it we might pick up on it mm-hmm. potentially um and then the other piece where we might pick it up is in our mirror neurons in our brain so these are like our monkey see monkey do mm. neurons that pick up on other things um and so that might be um 
with our family, that might be other people around us, but they're essentially the neurons that start to mirror what we see and that they'll start to say, oh, I'm seeing this in, in my life in front of me. And so I'm picking up on, I, I should do that too. Wow. So yeah, that's a simplified is that why a bunch of people like... bought too much toilet paper instead <laughs> <Right>. of being? <laughs> it's a, like that's some uh, other psychology yeah, that is. behind okay, that. Okay. That's, it's it's a little bit of that. Like we we all of a sudden see, oh, this is toilet paper. It's going to be out, yeah. or I might be in my house for two Scarcity months, or like it's worst just case. Yeah. yeah, so many pieces yeah. that we're like, and it, you know what? That's actually a really good point because it's those things that we're saying we want some form of control. Yes. Right now, right, there's such yeah. a lack of control. Yeah. And so a to- going out and buying, buying toilet paper before it's all out is something that I might be able to try and right. control. Whereas this invisible virus that I don't know where it is anywhere in the world except that it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least I can buy extra toilet paper. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's a really hard thing because we're all in this sense of we don't know. We don't know what's coming. Usually, like even with the flood, we knew yes. the waters would come. We kind of knew when they would peak, like we had a very good idea. Yeah. And then we had a sense of when they would go. Okay. And so there was even more right. known in that. That's so than interesting. This situation where yeah. it's like, we have a few models. All we see is this graph that goes up. Mostly just China. No idea. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Like at this point, we really don't even know because yeah. China, I had heard somebody talking about this in a really good way that they said, we are a different country. We have different systems and we are a different society and different ways of living and being and doing life. Yeah. And so even that is not a perfect model. So there's so much that I think we're all like, I just need to know I need some control. I need something. And we're unfortunately not going to have that right now. So yeah, toilet paper buying can be, <laughs> I can, I can control this little piece. Right. I can buy flowers I, that I can bake bread, right? right? That's the other thing that's been out. <laughs> totally. Oh, bless Instagram baking stories right now. Absolutely. So great. Uh, what happens when anxiety is amped and unchecked and panic is just kind of let, um, allowed to have a lot of rain in our lives if, if, if we don't. Yeah, over time. What happens mm. to us over time if we live in a lot of that? Yeah, it it could be many things. Um, it can be something that we probably need to seek out some help for if it's especially becoming something that is so overarching um, in our life that we're just really not finding relief. Yeah. And so to have somebody walk alongside you like a therapist um, might be helpful in order to um, deal with that. And often I love when somebody works in conjunction with a doctor to just kind of say from their medical perspective and then my perspective, like I like looking at things more holistically, that we have these different specialties for a reason Mm -hmm. that we might need both end Mm -hmm. to, to kind of walk alongside what that looks like. Yeah. So that's a first piece of it is just practically we might need the support, um, especially if you're somebody that's having, um, regular panic attacks, um, that you can feel, um, that heart pounding and, and that our, our nervous system just isn't functioning at a normal level. It can be that point that you go, okay, maybe I actually do need somebody to help me with this. Um, so that's a piece for sure. Yeah. Um, it can also affect us in a way that we, it actually breaks down our immune system. Yeah. Like we could get sick. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you have this on a long-term basis, it can be going, right, I 
actually working on this might be something that could be helpful in order to heal my body oh, and yeah. just help my immune system and right. me being well right. um, in order to to just give our bodies what it needs. Yeah. And again, not thinking so much about that brain-body connection that we need to go, oh, right, yeah. that's something that might be connected that huh. we aren't normally aware of. So I want to switch gears a little bit yeah, and talk about faith communities and how they have, let's go to the good. You know, mm-hmm. how can a faith community uh, and religious practices uh, be, be helpful? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'll talk about how they can sometimes be harmful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think faith communities play a huge role. Um, I've noticed a lot of churches that have been um, putting their services online and how to navigate this well in order to support their community during this time, because this is a time when we want to turn to the church Hmm. and that a lot of people are seeking for something like that because it, faith is something that is a little bit more grounded. Hmm. It's something that's a little bit more, I can, I can count on this thing being here every Sunday and it's a bit of structure right. and rhythms, rituals. Absolutely. So having those things that you can go, this is, this is predictable. This mm-hmm. is what I can count on. This is something that, um, I, I know, or maybe have had a history mm-hmm. with, um, it can be very supportive mm-hmm. in order to go to a community and say, yeah, I can have this or to have a spiritual practice, mm-hmm. um, that we can turn to during this time, I think can be so helpful too, that it can be, I love that Jeremy put on the Jesus prayer. Um, cause I actually use that, um, with clients sometimes mm-hmm. because it's a very simple way to, um, like if we feel like it's too overwhelming to do a huge mindfulness yeah. thing or whatever, like there's all these free ones out there right now, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but if we are feeling like that's even too overwhelming, just doing that, um, Lord Jesus Christ on the in breath mm-hmm. and then have mercy on me on the out breath can mm-hmm. be just a really simple mm-hmm. way that we can do it. So I love that faith communities are trying to find ways mm-hmm. to say, we, we want to be here for you and help mm-hmm. you in these moments yeah. and give you some of the tools, um, to be able to deal with this. Um, and even creating zoom yeah, small groups right. and prayer times yeah. and right. It's a, it's a human connection that we yeah. need relationships so bad. And for us to be taken, have that taken away during this time is, yeah. is a real challenge totally to navigate. Is. How do we have that community? Because we, we need relationships right. to, to thrive. And I think, um, other, other people have come from or participate in faith communities that have been maybe more harmful mm-hmm. when it comes to mental health, uh, sort of preferring language of like, if you just pray, Mm -hmm. it will go away Mm -hmm. or maybe you're not doing something enough. That's why you, you, you have this issue in your mind and your body. Um, Mm -hmm. can you speak to any of that, even just acknowledging it that maybe some of, some of us come from places that maybe haven't carved out or really, uh, made, made space for uh, mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it. Um, there has been some damage that's been done, mm-hmm. unfortunately, mm-hmm. as a result of some of those things, um, and it is one of those. We make a statement out of wherever that comes from, right? In in some ways, 
communities that might make those statements are really like they're knowing that they want to rely on God. Yeah. So that piece is going, okay, like I see that you like, you really want to say God can change me and that we want to believe that God could heal us Mm -hmm. too. Um, But at the same time, it's knowing that God gave us these, um, these bodies Mm. and these brains. And just like how you said that, yeah your body just kind of went tender. Like when you said these bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think it's so important to know that we, we've also been given tools, right? Like our bodies and our brains are now tools that we can use to say prayer is an essential, really great part of healing that can happen. And that I work from a perspective of, um, I, I walk along beside wherever somebody is coming from. So they might, even if they have a Christian background, they might have a completely different background than me. Some people that I see have, have no faith background and that's fine. I see where, wherever somebody is on the journey and I respect that. And I think that, um, that part can be a lot more healing for somebody when we have a place of respect of where I come from that because I come from some denominational background and have been part of many denominations. Mm-hmm. Um, I still need to know that you don't come from the same space, right. even if you're in the same denomination. Yeah. And right. that it's a lot of variety. Yeah. The healing can come in the opportunities that we give people to have a space where, where that part can be heard, mm-hmm. um, whether or not they believe yeah the like where god is in this right place and and what role god has in our healing journey yeah but that it can be hard when all you hear is yeah you just need to pray and you'll be better yeah that that can be a really painful piece when it's like well I feel like Did I've been God praying. Abandoned me then? Yeah, right. Yeah. So faith it, crisis, not just a mental health yeah, issue as well. Yeah, and it can be a really lonely space. Yes, to be in if you're right. feeling like I, I must be different. Mm-hmm. I must not be the same as you, or have mm-hmm. as much faith, or and and my belief is, and my understanding of who God is is that that's not true right Mm -hmm. like that we it's it's so much bigger than that and sometimes we try to make it that it's just that but but it's a bigger piece of knowing again going back to the individual person what you need right Right. like what do you need and where where are your healing pieces and that might mean seeking out the mental health support yes yes panic and anxiety the experience of those things are not evidence that God is absent mm. from your experience at all. No, um, no, yeah. not at all. It, no. it means that you are human just like the rest yeah. of us and that yeah, we are an all broken to and just we are feel all... like this is what it means. It puts you yeah. in great company yeah. with human beings. And we are all in need of healing mm-hmm. and restoration. Right. And, and yours might be different than mine, yeah. but we're still people. Mm-hmm. with needs because mm-hmm. that's what it means to be human yeah I wondered because you love the outdoors so much mm-hmm. and people are you know at least getting out for daily walks I had a little hashtag in my Instagram that like we're all pilgrims now yeah it feels like kind of going about our walks around the city in different ways and I wondered if you could uh expand the experience or the exercise of walks like how mm-hmm. can we yeah I can go for a walk I could go quietly I could listen to a book, an audio book or a podcast, but are there some things I could do to sort of make 
my walks an even more, you know, um, rich experience mm-hmm. in this time. Yeah. Um, there's probably lots of things mm-hmm. that I won't even list all of them that, right. that you could do to, yeah. to engage, um, in a different way. Um, I think first is knowing the perspective of, um, the outdoors for me or something that are physical, mental, spiritual, right. That we can have all of that in, in our experience of being outside and that all of that can be opportunity. So just being open to all of those opportunities of space and healing for ourselves. Um, and then for me, as far as my somatic background and, and knowing about the body, it's really about engaging the senses in order to heal our nervous system. And so, like you said, when you're feeling your feet on the ground, yeah. even just that walking and being aware of, oh yeah, my feet, yeah. they're hitting the ground. Yeah. Um, and noticing the things around us. Right. I love that this is forcing us to all slow down a little bit. Yeah. Like we're not all having to hurry to yeah. sports things and right. to meet somebody and to do this and do that. And like, that's all lovely. And we're all yeah. going to love it when we, we get really back to are. it. It's going to be like, this is <laughs> the really best. Are. But um, knowing that because we've been given this gift of being a little bit slower, how do we actually take that in? Mm-hmm. Do we find a new space or do we like doing the same routine Mm -hmm. is there like a oh I always go on the same walk and I look forward to that or maybe it's I'm going to go and find somewhere new and check it out and explore and like doing that with your kids and helping them to find something new right like let's find a rock or a leaf and my friend runs a nature preschool in Vancouver and she's been posting all these things about like let's find different faces or shapes or things in the trees and and just noticing right. what's around us can be something that can be so different yeah. versus sometimes I don't do that yeah. or taking something with me that I stop at a bench on the way, or right. I know that there's this space that I can hopefully soon sit in the grass once right. it's nice, right? Like that we can notice the seasons. We just notice the buds on yeah. our trees right. today. And yeah. it's like, yay, buds, like totally. sign of spring. Um, and engaging the sounds, maybe mm. it's going to the river yeah. and noticing the river yeah. as a sound that the birds are starting to come out or there's more people around, which is, I love it. Cause I'm like, we always go for walks, but now everybody's walking. Yeah. I'm like there's people walking yeah. around me. What's happening? Right. Um, so noticing that, yeah. um, noticing the smells. Yeah. So any of that sensory stuff, what, what you see, what you hear, Um, it's actually a practice that I use as a grounding practice, um, is called the five senses. Oh, so it's five things you see, Mm -hmm. four things you can touch, Hmm. three things you hear, two things you smell, one thing you taste. And there's no right or wrong to it. It's just a practice, right? It's a like, Oh, what do I taste? I don't know. Maybe my lunch, right? Like it's, you can make it it up if you don't know, but it's just a way to kind of be like, I'm in the present. I'm in the moment. That's good. And that's something that you can even practice outside. Yeah. How are you taking care of yourself Mm -hmm. in the, in this season of crisis and COVID-19? Yeah. Do you have some it's a good question because I think we're trying to make things a little more complicated than we need to, Mm. especially for families with kids. Mm -hmm. I don't have kids, but, um, 
for families with kids, I do have advice to keep it simple. Keep it simple. Like just really, they just need to know that they're safe. Mm. They need to have cuddles. Mm. They need to have fun. Yeah. And so that's what I'm trying to do too, is just saying like, just even opening my blinds, we have these lovely windows that opening my blinds, getting ready for the day, Mm -hmm. um, like there are a bunch of days that I'm still seeing clients online. Okay. So I'll get ready for the day. Yeah. Um, now it's lovely because my husband's working from home. So we'll eat lunch together, yeah. which normally doesn't happen. Yeah. So we're trying to find joy in those little things that we're like, yeah. okay, this is a bit of a gift yeah. that we've been given. Mm-hmm. Um, that I'm also just really going easy on myself hmm. on those days when I'm like this feels too much. And mm-hmm. yeah, I was just managing my anxiety going and scrolling through mm-hmm. the news or whatever. And that that's okay, but I need to go, okay, but now I need a break yeah. from that too. Right. And I need to um, do things like I've started, uh, like there's so many free yoga Oh yeah, things online right now. Oh okay. my goodness, everybody is offering it. Oh, okay, yeah, like all the yoga places in the city. I just always do are offering. With Adrian. Yeah, and that one great. too. Yeah, but yeah, there's all this like free yoga. So oh nice, um, having that practice. We I put the put our spare bed against the wall right now. Okay, and so that's become my new office to okay. keep confidentiality for my clients. Yeah, right, and then also um, it's become my workout yoga oh, space. Yeah. So even though we have limited space, I've created yeah. A space for us to oh, yeah. to do that if we nice. need to, um, nice. and then going for regular walks like yeah, we go for them out. almost daily. Yeah, so that's definitely things that I've been doing for myself to Great. just know I don't have to do too much. I don't have to have a color coded like <laughs> hour by hour schedule every day. Right? And I'm like, it's okay if you do. If you do, that's if your anybody's thing. listening and <laughs> that is helping you stay sane, that's okay. Right. But um, also knowing that it's okay not to hmm. and to just keep it very simple as far as these are the things that I will have structured in my day that I get up, I get dressed, I brush my teeth. I still have like my regular hygiene practices that are fairly normal. I might not shower every day, but that's okay. Like it doesn't have to be a big deal. Um, and that I also enjoy the little things too. And like even sensory stuff like cooking and baking. I love doing that and I don't always have time to do it. So now that's a sensory thing that I'm like, mm. okay, I'm turning off everything else. Yeah. And then I can just put on music and be in my kitchen. Yeah. So nice. Uh, is there anything else today that you thought, oh, I really want to talk about this thing in the theme of panic? Yeah. I think um, the only thing I was going to say was mm-hmm. um, if anybody needs support yeah. right now, because I think that's a thing of where do you go? There yeah. are a lot of therapists that are offering online sessions right now and on psychology today they actually have a banner at the top that they can list if they're doing online sessions so if anybody needs support that's one place to turn and then also the distress center in calgary is a place that you can call if you need they've moved all their services um, but they still are on the phone and um, they have a text um, like chat thing that's that's online and they have it on their website the hours that they do it so the distress center in calgary is great a great support too if anybody's needing and feeling like they're needing somebody yeah, like it's all a bit much yeah because it is and, yeah and it's okay to know that we might need help yes oh trina yeah thank you so much i've heard you talk about like something like the window of tolerance a couple of times now but every time i'm like i love listening to it it's so helpful so yeah thank yeah. you so much for bringing your wisdom and your skills and your toolbox absolutely into the conversation today yeah it's been, it's been great. a delight mm-hmm. Thanks. You're welcome.
My name is John, and I help Bobby make the episodes for Between Sundays. I think what I related to most in re-listening back to this conversation was Trina validating that feeling of being lost and unmoored in the face of a pandemic. Nothing feels normal, even as we do small things for ourselves to try and connect with those selves, like having a shower, going for a walk, even producing a podcast, for example, hypothetically. Between Sundays is a production of Commons Church and the Commons Podcast Network. Bobby Sockled is the host, and Jonathan Petkow is the producer. Artwork by Angie Ishak. Special thanks to Trina Pipers for coming to hang out with us. You can follow us on Instagram at BTW Sundays. Thanks, everyone.